messages. Last Sunday, we talked about the atmosphere of pervasive fear. If you didn't, uh, weren't able to be here, go back and listen to that message because we studied about how fear exists throughout the world this morning and how that fear engulfs humanity. It may feel negligible at times. There may be moments and seasons where that fear isn't as strong, and we're really good at dismissing it. We're really good at deflecting it, uh, but it's always there. And the problem is where there's fear, there's no peace. Where people are caught up in fear, where people are anxious, where people are worried, there's no peace. And when fear courses through our mind like, uh, like blood pumping through the heart, when, when fear is just racing through us, it creates a deep uneasiness, a, a, a profound restlessness that is, that is just there in our hearts. And then it, it's, it's uh, satiated, satiated throughout everything that we feel. And man tries to solve that. Man tries to solve that by, by choosing methods that they think will, will make it better. Some people choose alcohol and drugs. People try to, try to numb it, but that only brings addiction, and it brings crime and divorce and a diminished reputation. Other people are, are um, promiscuous. They think, well, if I'm uh, experiencing pleasure and I'm satisfying myself, that that'll bring priest peace, but that only uh, increases disease. It only devastates the family and divides relationships and creates problems, and that proves it hasn't worked. The internet and social media and technology, that promises if you get the latest whatever phone, that'll solve all your problems and uh, have a bigger data plan and, and be on this site and this site and post this and post this. But, but it's amazing, and we've talked about this, how much loneliness is advanced in our culture, and that shows it's a lie. And Christmas shopping certainly isn't going to bring me any peace. I know that for certain because I made the mistake of wandering into Walmart at 6 o'clock last night. I learned my lesson. There was no peace in Walmart, Sturdivant. I'm telling you that right now. My heart was churning. The conclusion of the people in the video, and it was there all throughout, is that maybe peace is found internally. Ralph Waldo Emerson said that nothing gives you peace but yourself. But as we saw in their own words, that's not really a legitimate answer, is it? That's not really the solution. Did you notice how almost every person said, we find peace within ourselves, but then when the interviewer said, do you have peace? No, 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 not even close. No, I'm stressed out, I'm worried, I'm fearful, except for the guy, the couch potato guy who just wants to watch baseball, but I don't think he's indicative of most people. Everybody said no without hesitation. And if that's really the answer, if inside me is really the answer to find peace, why doesn't anybody feel at peace? If we can just conjure up that deep contentment and that satisfaction by the sheer force of our internal will, if, that, if that's just something we cre create, then there would be an obvious settledness in our world, at least with a, with a large minority of people. At least there would be some people that are walking around happy and content. But, but that's not true. So either we're inadequate within ourselves to find peace, or it's not really the solution, or both. But either way, it's a fail. A couple of people in the video mentioned love and, and family and friends, and, and that brings peace. And that's true to an extent. There's nothing like being loved and being around people that love you. But, 
but that doesn't always last 24-7, right? It, it has short periods of time. Uh, you get to that Christmas dinner tomorrow and you get somebody mentions politics or somebody mentions which team they like or, or some kind of social issue and, and then strong opinions come out. You know not to do it, but it's going to happen, right? And we're not going to show hands, but I bet some of you are already a little stressed thinking about it. You love those people, you want to be around them, but something's going to happen. And besides that, not everybody has a close, happy, unified family. Many people experience pain and, and heartache and separation from the relatives. So that's not going to be the long-term, permanent, uh, everyday, consistent answer. So that leaves one more option, power and control. If we could just have power and control, we'd have peace. Economic power. If I was rich, I've heard people say, and I've said it before, you know, people say money doesn't buy happiness, but I'd like to try for a couple days. Economic power. If I only had billions in my bank account, I'd have peace. Or if I had influence, I have peace. Or if, or if I had political power, all those things are valued and promoted in our culture. The recession of 2008, and I don't know if you saw this week, the, the sharp drop in Bitcoin uh, futures remind us that wealth can be gone like that. And the influence of culture and the ability to shape thought through the media and through news reporting and through entertainment, it's a very powerful way. But the scandals that have rocked Hollywood and Manhattan and everywhere else have shown us that the uh, dependence on this is ironic because the people that thought they had peace with those levels of influence, they all exploited it and it's all blown up in their face. And we don't even really need to debate whether political strength brings peace. Just look at this map. Let me show you a map real quick. That's all the areas of conflict in the world. Those are the major areas of conflict. 30 in Africa alone. Almost every country in Africa has some kind of war. 10 countries in the Middle East alone. There are only about 12 countries in the Middle East. All throughout the world, there's stress, there's conflict, there's war. So all these people are trying to gain power and control over everybody else. Notice over on the left side of the screen that in the United States, there aren't any little dots. We're wealthy, we're free from war, we have the best of everything, and yet we are so lacking in peace in this country. We are so miserable in so many ways, and we all know how divided our nation is. We know that it's torn apart right now by political and economic and social agendas on both sides. There's open defiance of the president. Almost nobody trusts Congress. Nobody trusts the media. And all around, there's spiritual regression. But other than that, we're just full of peace, right? We just got to look within. We just got to dig down a little bit harder, and we'll find that peace. Now, one truth that we need to understand in this short study this morning is that there's a big difference between the lack of peace that comes from stress me in line 30 deep at Walmart last night just to buy some lotion. There, there's a difference between that kind of lack of peace and the lack of peace that comes from emptiness. Now, the first one's situational. I even felt it strongly yesterday afternoon before I went to Walmart. I was happy. Things were good. My family was home. But all of a sudden, about 2 o'clock, I just got completely overwhelmed. 
I just felt so much that there was to do, and I was uh, miserably tired. I wasn't able to think straight. I'm trying to rationalize, and my brain's just not working, and, and I'm feeling the sense of responsibility and all the, all the things that we had to do for this morning, and for a couple hours, peace was just elusive. It just was not there. And we know that that's not genuine peace anyway. It's just a fluctuation of emotions. It's just uh, whether I had eaten or not or gotten enough sleep or, or just feelings based on whatever's going on. That's not genuine feelings of peace. That doesn't compare with the anguish of spiritual emptiness. Spiritual emptiness is the genuine and profound lack of meaning and purpose. It's an understanding that there has to be more. That it can't just be football on the couch with pizza rolls, right? That, that can't be the essence of my life. It, it can't be. It can't be buying the right toy. It can't be having influential power. There, there has to be more. There has to be love and joy outside of ourselves. There has to be. Because if not, this is just a cosmic joke that we just live 60, 70, 80 years and then we're done and there's nothing else and for some reason we just existed on this little blue ball in the middle of space with no explanation for anything else. That, that can't be right. And we realize as we think about that that there can't be anything we can do to attain that peace. This is the eternal starting point for every single person who's ever lived because of our sin against God and because of our pride and natural refusal to turn from our sin. And throughout history, mankind has proved this point more times than we can count. There's not one evidence in history, not one evidence of somebody that has come to a place of manufacturing peace. Even Alexander the Great, who conquered the world, they say he died of boredom because he didn't find what he was looking for. And this resistance to repent and confess and ask God for forgiveness has created an emptiness that is deeper than anything in the world. So we look at this and we say, well, if there is a God and there is, then he has a right to hold us accountable because he's the creator and he's the holy one and he's the judge and he's well within his bounds because we're sinners to condemn us and punish us and exile his, us from his presence forever. He has that right. But then we hear these words that those children said so beautifully. Look at Luke 2 and verse 10. The angel said to them, to the shepherds, do not be afraid. That's our study last week. Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you, tell me the next five words, good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there is born for you a what? Tell me, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in claws, lying in a manger, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, what's the next word? Peace among men with whom he is pleased. Now we've heard that text many times before. But I want you to stop just for a minute and think about what's being said here. Even if you've memorized it like I did as a kid, even if you've studied it, you've heard hundreds of messages about it, that's fine. Look at it one more time with fresh eyes. Knowing the hopeless condition of mankind. Knowing the futility of our efforts to find any purpose and any peace 
through any of the methods that we try, instead of giving us what we deserve and leaving us in eternal misery, Jesus came here. God in flesh for the purpose of offering us salvation. And this news is for all people. God is not partial. God is not biased. God is not exclusive. Christ died for all. Jesus came for all. Every single person in this room, nobody's excluded based on your race, sex, ethnicity, what your background is, what, what you, how you grew up, what your family's like. None of that matters to God because you and I are all stained by sin. We're all on an equal playing field of, of insufficiency before God. And God says, well, I'm not going to leave you that way because I love you too much and because I'm merciful. So I'm going to give you the greatest measure, greatest news that's, that's ever been given with the greatest measure of joy because this news right here that we just read, that answers our eternal problem. And it gives us the greatest potential of anything else which is that salvation is being offered by God in person. And that person is Jesus Christ. He is the only answer. He's the only way of salvation. He's the only hope. We have an internal problem, and God sent an external solution. We're lost. We have no peace. We're hopeless, and we don't have a legitimate answer. So Jesus steps in. Jesus intervenes in history with an offer like no other. He says, full forgiveness, complete cleansing, absolute exoneration to anyone who repents and trusts in me to save them. And as a result of that, I'm going to give you security for all eternity. I'm going to give you a complete life change, and I am going to fill you with joy and peace. That's my offer. That's my gift. Do you receive it? Or do you say, I don't really like that. I don't need that. Why is this gracious offer of peace so important? Why, why does it matter? Why do we spend time studying this morning about the concept of peace? Well, I believe there are four reasons. I want to encourage you, maybe write some things down this morning just to interact with the text. I'll be brief. There, there are four reasons why every person needs what only Jesus Christ can offer. Every person needs what only Jesus Christ can offer. The first reason is peace is needed when there's uncertainty. Peace is needed when there's uncertainty. When you aren't confident in a situation, when you are unsure of the outcome, it makes you edgy, right? Makes you restless. I, how, how many are experiencing that with the gifts you bought? You're like, eh, I don't know, I spent a lot of money, but I don't know. not real happy with it. I go through this insecurity every single year. In fact, as I get older, I'm getting less sure of myself. Ah, oh, find the right gift, go around, try to, I don't know. And oh, boy, you know, what do we say when we open it? You can take it back. In fact, we tell people before they open it. Now, there's a story behind this. I'm going to say that to my kids tomorrow because there's a story behind something I'm giving them. There's a story behind this. You know why? Because I feel insecure. Because it didn't turn out like I thought it was going to. And I had this great idea, and it just didn't quite come to fruition. So now, even though I know they're going to like it, I'm insecure about it. Now, that's just a little tiny thing, the uncertainty of giving a simple little gift. But it extends out to the uncertainty of how you're going to pay for it. 
and what next year is going to look like and what kind of unexpected events are going to happen in 2018. Can you believe we're at 2018? What will be the crisis? What will be the heartache? I was thinking about this last night. Last year at this time, my dad had just been diagnosed with cancer. It had just happened, and now he's gone. He's in heaven. There were months of uncertainty, and then after he died, then a couple months later, my mom had an accident and almost died. And then add to that last year, as I've told you, Jacob leaving home and the purchase of the building and all the changes we need to make and talking to the architects. For me, 2017 was not the biggest year of peace. So what does next year look like? What's next year going to hold for us? Now translate that to your spiritual condition. Are you certain that if you pass away next year, what's going to happen? Are you certain that if you pass away next year, what you'll say when you immediately stand in the presence of the Lord and He says, give me an account of your life? Are, are, are you certain of where you're going to spend eternity? Now you say, well, that's an emotional ploy on Christmas Eve. No, it's not. That's a reality that I experienced last year. The reminder that life is uncertain, but eternity is sure. So what does your eternity look like? And are you at complete peace with the answer? Or is even the answer uncertain? Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Think about that. I've come that you might have life, and that life is abundant. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. Salvation by trusting in Jesus Christ is the greatest certainty there is. But we live in a lack of peace because there's uncertainty. Second, peace is needed when there's hatred. Peace is needed when there's hatred. Our sin actually creates two kinds of hatred. Hatred toward God and hatred toward ourselves. The hatred for God is a, is a byproduct of rebelling and disobeying because we're guilty instead of apologizing instead of falling on our faces and repenting we allow resentment to pour in and then we blame God for being holy and righteous and having righteous standards and holding us accountable how unfair of you God that you would be pure and holy and expect me to meet your standard and that kind of thought that kind of reaction is how a four-year-old acts trying to justify their resistance to mom and dad's reasonable rules. And, and it's easy to turn that resistance and that resentment then into a tantrum and blame. Ironically, we've seen this all throughout our culture in 2017. It's been the normative behavior of entitled adults who act like spoiled brats who take zero responsibility for their actions and blame everybody and everyone for what they've done and they protest anyone who dares to disagree with them that they're not getting their way and they expect them to be responsible because we wouldn't want to do that and yet when somebody else expresses an opinion, they go nuts. 
But you know what? That shouldn't really surprise us because it's as old as Israel wandering in the wilderness when God would bless them and send food and water and quail flying through and he would open up a sea and they would walk through on dry ground and he'd lead them by day with a cloud of fire and a cloud of smoke and he'd come down and his presence would fill the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, and yet every day, I can't believe we're going to walk again. (sighs) How long is it going to take? Why can't we go back? Moses, come on. We have no idea the measure of complaining. But you know what? That's what we've seen in the world the last year. Everything's a complaint. Everything's a dissatisfaction. Everything now is not just I'm unhappy. Now it's I hate you. I hate God. I hate everything. I hate the government. I hate rules. I hate responsibility. I hate, I hate, I hate. And where there's hate, there's no peace. What we see then and what we see now is because of a second type of hatred. And this one's often overlooked and very underestimated. It's the hatred of self. Hatred of self. Lost in the uh, pervasive blaming mentality of our culture is the reason for it. We just don't love ourselves. Now, I don't mean that in the humanistic, oh, you've got to love yourself. Well, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. I mean, at the end of the day, many people are not satisfied with themselves and their lives. And the reason they're not satisfied is because they do not have a spiritual purpose. And it's because they are, aren't living under the love of God. When you are away from God, there's a chronic dissatisfaction in your heart. And that exists in our culture. And it's not because of poor politics. It's not because of economic disparity. It's not because of broken families. It's because of sin. It's because we have taken a position of opposition to God. And that steals any hope of peace. So it's ironic that the people in the video all said the answer to peace, the way to find peace, is within yourself. That, that as they're saying that, they're so internally messed up and confused and dissatisfied. Only the love and mercy of God can change that. Which is why he says in Ezekiel 36, I'll put a new heart and a new spirit within you. Jesus says, this is called being born again. Nicodemus came to him and said, so what, wait a second, I can't go back in my mother's womb. Like, what are you talking about? Jesus says, no, this is, this is a heart change. This is a new nature that I will give you. This is an, an indwelling of my spirit. This is a mind that is renewed. When you confess and you trust, I will change you. I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit. Listen, some of you in this new year need a new heart and a new spirit. You've been dragging around the old one for a long time, and you're not at peace. You're not satisfied. You're experiencing turmoil in your life, and it's not because of the president, and it's not because the Packers stink. It's because you don't know the Lord. And I want to tell you, don't get distracted now. You need to know the Lord. You need to know Jesus Christ because he will free you from that hatred And he will fill you with a love you can't explain and a love for him and a love for others that's just, you can't describe it. It's just there because he changes you. So peace is needed when there's uncertainty. It's needed when there's hatred. Third, quickly, it's needed when there's turmoil and conflict. 
We don't need to put the map up to know that there's war and conflict and that's real, but the concept here is much more spiritual. Since we're lacking an eternal solution, not to mention one for this life either, there's, there's, a, there's a churning in our spirit that a lot of people just kind of ignore or, or medicate in some way. But that doesn't go away. And the realize, realization only makes people try harder until they either snap and give up living or they just hope for the best or third option, best option, they respond to what Jesus came to do. You can live your whole life in frustration, turmoil, conflict, dissatisfaction, lack of hope, kind of, kind of getting by, doing the 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week and raising a family and living in Wisconsin and eating and drinking and, and going to sleep and having your hobby. You can do that. But there's so much more. And that's only just going to make you get to 70, 80 years old and kind of say, what did I do? What did I do? Listen, the account of the nativity, these, these words that you hold in your hand, that's not outlandish. It's historically verified. There are witnesses all over the place. The king of Israel who didn't know God. If Jesus wasn't real, if the message of the angels wasn't real, there's no reason for him to put all males under two-year-old to death. You say, well, Jesus, isn't, he didn't really come. Well, then why did Herod kill all the baby boys? The message came to the angels, to the shepherds, and the star was seen by the wise men, and they came from a long way away, and they said, where is the king? We see a, we see a star. That's, that's not just the planets aligning. Don't give me that. God put a special star up in the sky, and he said, that's for my son. And the wise men come, and they say, where's the king of the Jews? And Herod goes, I'm the king of the Jews. No, 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 Herod. There's a new one. He's been born. Where is he? And Herod, in his jealousy and anger and hostility and hatred of God, says, kill all the babies. Well, if Jesus isn't real, why did he do that? We know the power of God. We know he's powerful just by looking at the night sky. Or, or you want to see the power of God? Just sit at Lake Michigan for about 30 minutes and just stare at it and say, God knows every single molecule that's out there. We know that he's loving and gracious by the words of the angels. And we see the shepherds go and they tell everybody what had happened. This is why Jesus came. Look at the word in verse 14. He came to offer peace. Because God knows there's a spiritual conflict within us. And there's a spiritual conflict from us toward him. And rather than destroying us, hear this word this morning. Rather than destroying us, he offered to reconcile us. God had every right to destroy us. And yet, 2 Corinthians 5 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. Praise the Lord for that. And we trust Jesus is our Savior. God forgives us and reconciles us. And every single person, you this morning, if you're not saved, you need this. And you need it because of the fourth reason. Peace is needed when there's opposition. Peace is needed when there's opposition. Without Jesus as our Savior, Romans 5 says we're enemies of God. If you don't trust Jesus this morning, whatever your background, whatever your experience, I'm not picking on you, I'm just telling you the facts. 
if you haven't trusted Jesus this morning, you are standing as an enemy of God. That's what the Bible says. When we sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, they had to be banished from the presence of the Lord. Not because he was just mean and he was upset, but because he's holy and just and he can't abide our sin. But that's why Jesus came as the baby in Bethlehem. Listen to the rest of the Romans text. It says, while we were helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we're now saved through his life. In other words, Jesus was born to die, but Jesus was also born to rise again and defeat death, which is why we sang earlier, born that man no more may die. In other words, he came with a purpose. He came with a reason. He came to save. He is born to you in the city of David this day, a Savior who's Christ the Lord. There's nobody else. There's no other answer. There's no other solution. There's no other peace. It's only in Jesus. And this is available to anybody who believes. But without it, without Jesus, you're in opposition. And that creates more uncertainty and more turmoil in your heart. And we saw that last week with the reactions to Jesus' birth. Herod fought it. The people questioned it. Mary and Joseph worshiped God because of it. And the shepherds were changed by it. Every one of them heard what heaven said. Every one of them knew who Jesus was and what he had come to do. But they all took a different stance toward him. So here's my question as we finish. What is your stance before the Lord? Let me give you something that the Lord placed very closely on my heart yesterday afternoon. I heard this, I, not being weird, this, this is, was clear to me from the Lord as I was praying. He said, your proximity to Jesus will determine how much peace you have. Your proximity to Jesus will determine how much peace you have. If you're standing far off and you're resentful like Herod was, and you're angry, and you're mad at God because of whatever, and, and, and why does God have rules, and why can't I just be myself? If that's you, if you're standing far off, you're not going to have any peace in your heart. You're just going to have turmoil. If you're like the people who just kind of were curious, but they were uninvolved, they just kind of looked at the facts, but, but, but they didn't really respond, spiritual assurance and peace, it'll be missing until you trust in Jesus. But if you come close to him, if you like the shepherds, when you hear the news, you'll run toward him, not, not trying to take what he offers without giving all of yourself, but by trusting him completely. By giving your heart to him wholeheartedly. If you do that, I can tell you from experience, you will know contentment and joy and confidence and peace that you cannot experience in any other way. The closer you are to Jesus, the more peace you will have. And I want to tell you, the message to you and the message to me this morning can't be any clearer. How will you respond? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This is good news. And it's great joy. And it's to all people.
It's for you, and it's for me. And I don't know where you stand with the Lord this morning. I don't know some of you. I'm glad you're visiting today. But please know that only lasting peace, peace that lasts for eternity, it is only found in Jesus Christ. And I pray that every one of us will trust him with all our hearts.